Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. Apologising that I don't um, have a lot of PowerPoint stuff for you today, but uh, I see my, my own system at home went crashed, and my son, who sorts all this stuff out, went, has gone to America for the weekend. I think he caught wind of the fact that our subject today is honour your father and mother. And uh, so I won't get sorted out for Tuesday, so... Isn't it great? <laughs> anyway, I think... I think to... And uh, can I add my uh, warmest welcome and greetings to the people that have joined us today. I'm one of the members of the church, have been for over 20 years, and... Um, we're going through a series at the moment on the Ten Commandments. Sunday by Sunday, we take one of them. And I think it's, it reveals the rebel in us all. Because actually, if we listen sensitively and honestly, we find that every single one of these provokes in us a certain amount of guilt and self-awareness. And I think today's topic is perhaps going to be one of the most sensitive uh, for many of us. Honouring parents. Uh, the scripture actually says, honour your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is, is giving you. If you want to follow in one of the Bibles, I'm going to look at another passage later, but not many passages. You put your hand up now and someone will bring you a Bible. But actually, most of our scriptures today will be on the screen. If you'd like one, the hands are up and um, a Bible will appear in your hand. I wonder how many of us can actually think of something or some things that are painful or hurtful in what our parents did or said. And maybe many, many years ago, many decades ago in some cases, but the memory is still there. You only have to push a certain rewind button and it's as if it had just happened. That feeling of disappointment or being gutted or... I mean, even as I begin to, to speak about it, many of you know immediately what area in your life and your memories this is going to be touching on. Something that was done one day or a cutting word that came out in a moment of irritation or anger or something that uh, one of your parents perhaps forgot to do or a whole pattern of events that went on for years maybe. Something that you wish as you look back on the one story of your life, you wish it never happened. You wish it hadn't been there. And the command today to honour your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you is difficult. Although we have guests and strangers in, I, I know the people who are um, always here. When I look around from up here, 
I know some whose parents committed adultery. I know some um, whose parents were drunk. Some who have suffered sexual abuse at home in their upbringing. Some who had a parent who suffered from time to time bouts of mental trouble and illness, and it perhaps led to violence or reckless squandering of money and so on. Some of you were deserted as children. How do you honour someone who disappeared out of your life? And then you seem to look back, and perhaps at special moments, weren't there. How do you respect someone who hardly ever had a kind word for you? In fact, you struggle as you sit there to remember one. It always seemed to be negative criticism, and you could never really please them. And they may have died, and you're still trying to please them, in the way you live, and now it's become impossible. Every year, thousands of children in the United Kingdom are put into care. Ten years ago, the last year I have any figures for, it was 30,000 in one year. And that's every year. We know that 99% of the separations and divorces that happen in the country are brought about by parents. And yet, in each of those cases, there's a huge impact upon the children, which really is very hard to, to escape from. And if they're young, uh, it affects the children's education, self-esteem, even research shows perhaps health and immune system, and so on. Honour your father and mother, says the Bible, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. How can God command such a thing? Knowing, as he does, the truth about our society and our lives and our upbringing and our situations and so on. Over a million children in Britain have absolutely no contact with their father at all. From the beginning of one year to the end. How do they honour their father? And many of you who have perhaps parents who seem to have done very little to deserve honour and, and respect. Is God asking the impossible as we carry this sort of load with us? It's a toughie, isn't it? But that's what we're thinking about together. We want to try and understand the mind of God and how can these things be obeyed and we want to take a question like this head on. We're not interested in being part of a church that, that doesn't really tell the truth and that ducks hard issues and refuses to think about them. So how do we take one of these commands, the fifth, and in a society that is as troubled and hurting as ours is, and often within families, how do we find the grace and strength and wisdom to obey what God seems to be asking? Well, the Bible is the most realistic book that has ever been written. Family life in, in the Bible, when you uh, read it, I mean, you've only got to read the first, first of the books. It isn't some sort of misty, nostalgic dive into make-believe. 
you know, that within the very first family in the Bible. I mean, you haven't gone beyond chapter four when um, you get the first murder. Sometimes we can understand that. This was the original family at war. As Cain murdered Abel in a fit of rage and uncontrolled anger. That's a good start to family life in the Bible, isn't it? But then when you read through the stories of Abraham and Isaac, of Jacob, of Gideon, of Samson, of David, of Solomon, Hosea, character after character in the Old Testament, their family life includes all kinds of raw tensions and difficulties. Just think about some of the things, the jealousies that there were there, the bitterness. The refusal sometimes to forgive that lasted generations. The foolish favoritism, the deceit, the lies, the betrayal. And so much of it stemming from one or other of the parents, and usually it has to be said in Scripture, from the father. Not always, but the majority of those sources of poison in those biblical families uh, comes from the father. These are classic dysfunctional families from the very beginning. And we have sung our praises to God as Father. He is the Father from whom all fatherhood is named and all familyness comes. And yet God is still saying, honor your father and mother. In the New Testament, uh, this particular text that we are taking up this morning from Exodus 20 verse 12, it is quoted six times. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, if we can have that up, we get one of the uh, New Testament, the fullest of the New Testament quotations. Paul writing to the Ephesians says, Children, that's all of us, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So they, they've missed out the, the words with a promise in writing it in that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words, Paul is saying this is part of your Christian commitment. It's a, it's a matter of the Lordship of Christ to begin to think this through and learn how to do it. Paul, in this letter to these Christians in the country that we now know as Turkey, has just been talking about stopping lying, stop stealing, no more anger, please, no more bitterness, no more rage, there should be no immorality, uh, no more empty words. But actually, many of the parents of those that had come into that church came from exactly those kinds of situations and backgrounds and were up to their necks in some of those things that Paul had just been talking about. It has been said that the first four commandments, loving God and not idolatry and so on, they are to do with how we should speak and behave towards God. And that point has been made in the course of this series so far. God is holy. This is our vertical relationship with him. How shall we honour him? And then the, ne the next six commandments, the remaining six, are much more to do with the horizontal relationship, if I can put it like that. How we should behave towards other people. And this command occupies pride of place once we get over that bridge into the horizontal command. How should we set about keeping? Well, I want you to notice two things first. As we said, this is the only command out of the whole ten with a conditional promise attached. If you honour 
your father and mother. You will live long in the place that God is giving you and providing for you. That's in our title, the command with a promise. And when Paul quoted it in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the passage that we looked at a moment ago, he omitted references to a specific land. He wasn't talking now here about Canaanite. You get Canaan or, or Palestine, uh, Israel. He says only, if now you want things to go well and to enjoy long life, then honor your parents. And there is something very profound in this uh, promise. And apparently it affects both our own personal health and that of society at large. The family is one of three institutions in society that the Bible says God has created in order to provide for us stability and peace and instruction and order and wholeness. The first is the family unit. And it's God's intention that those families should have God in the middle. They should be Christian family units. The second is the local church. And the third is the national government. These are structures in society that give cohesion and protection. The family is the place where you are first shaped. You learn first there about yourself, about how to trust about belonging to other people, about what to believe, about how to help others. It's in the family first that you are intended to begin to learn, learn listening, learn serving, learn partnership, learn respect, and so on. So the kind of values and relationships that people learn at home in any generation profoundly affect the whole of society that's then going to grow up. I think there is springing up in, in our country, in, in Britain today, what I might call a culture of contempt for all authority. School teachers, I was one and, and I have read, read one. Um, but they often observe that the attitude that children take uh, towards their parents in the home will mirror then the attitude that they take to any authority then on in society. So if the code of respect and honour for parents breaks down in the home, then anarchy is likely to break out in the school. In other words, disintegrating respect for parents then tends to lead towards expulsion from school and disruption of classes and the smashing of equipment and the bullying in the playground and violence against other pupils and eventually people trying to burn down the whole school. But it's related to how they think about authority generally. And of course, to apply it to ourselves, um, we reap what we sow in our own children. If we speak disparagingly of our own parents, then uh, we have little right to be surprised when our children later on choose not to respect us because they've not seen modelled in us the attitude which we would then re desire to receive from them um, as we ourselves get older. In other words, we throw fragmentation at, at it boomerangs, boomerangs back. So God lays down a principle, a preservational principle, if I may call it that, something to, to protect us. Learn to honour your parents. Or eventually, in society, 
the whole process of disrespect and cynicism and rebellion and irresponsibility will unravel the society that we are standing in. The rock will disintegrate under our feet, and we will be swept away in the tidal wave that follows. You will be dishonoured by the dishonour that you sow, says the Lord. God cares about our society. He cares about its health. He cares about the way in which people grow up in it, how they're influenced by it. But society starts at home. That's the first thing uh, to say. It's a command with a promise. The second thing to note is just uh, before we get into asking in more detail how, is that this is the only command with a limited duration. There will come a day when you can't do it. Death will have removed the opportunity to carry it out. In other words, out of all the Ten Commandments, this is the one um, that we must do while we can. You've probably been to a funeral sometime and heard the most wonderful things being said about the person who's died. I remember a vicar once saying, because um, he had to take so many funerals in his area, he says, we only bury saints and heroes around here. You can hear all kinds of praise, can't you, for, for the dead person, uh, when perhaps underneath, and you know that there were tensions and frustrations and, and so on. It's also true that so much can be left unsaid and unforgiven. And no amount of money spent on a wreath or a fancy coffin is equal to a thank you or a visit or a letter or an apology while we can. I was an awful teenager. There were periods when I was so hostile that, I mean, we don't have anybody in this church to touch the nastiness of me as I was growing up. Some of the little terrorists that you get in the front, you know, they don't even understand how seriously difficult I was. There were periods of months when I wouldn't even speak to my mother. Can you believe it? But having left home and gone away and begun to think about these things, let these scriptures begin to do their slow, purifying work in me. I can remember when I was already gone from education such as it was in college and I was in India, sitting down and after a long period of thinking about this, thinking what an awful human being I had been to bring up, sitting down and making a tape, a full 60-minute tape. I can remember sitting uh, in, I was in Lucknow, uh, in the state of Uttar Pradesh in North India, sitting under a tree, taping a message of extended apology to my parents and trying to rebuild from years ago. It was one of the turning points in my life. Trying to begin to work out how shall I obey this before it was too late. How can we obey this command, given the parents we have? Can I make four suggestions uh, before our time is, is gone? The first is that we need to forgive them. I think the spiritual life 
of some people stop. They somehow hit a glass ceiling in their life because as they have grown into adulthood, they have never truly forgiven some of those things that you perhaps were thinking about ten minutes ago when we started. We must forgive. We are commanded to forgive. And, and this may be you. This may be the root of real problem. The harboring of resentment, of grudges, and so on. I think it is one of the commonest forms of spiritual um, disease and sources of doubt. You see, Jesus said, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And then comes the other side, which perhaps with our parents we find the most difficult to apply. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father in heaven, how does he go on? You know it. Will not forgive yours. Of course God will guide you. Of course God will look after you. You may have committed yourself to him as a believer, but you won't be in the place that he wants you in because of this settled habit of refusal to forgive those things in the past. This is a great act of grace denial, the refusal uh, to forgive, the choice to remain um, unforgiving. And forgiveness isn't something we feel. Now, we've been taught this again and again from Scripture. It's not something that you therefore have to wait to feel. Forgiveness is not something that comes naturally. Forgiveness is a conscious choice to let go of the desire to pay back to seek the other person's good instead, to bless your enemy, not curse them. Now, perhaps in the heat of the emotions, we find that at first difficult. But for some of you, some of those emotions have, have been settled down for years. You need to now make the choice to let things go and, and forgive. Think of the consequences if you withhold forgiveness. If you're starting to bump against that glass ceiling, that lack of peace that there can be, that experience of dryness and frustration. A respected doctor has written a book called Making Peace with Your Parents, and he, this sentence comes from it. The psychological truth is that holding on to past resentment towards parents robs us of current peace of mind and an ability to experience satisfaction in the here and now relationship. And the thing is, we can get we open the door thereby to a whole number of other bitternesses. We can get trapped in habits of storing out resentment. Uh, the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews in the New Testament, in chapter 12, verse 15, talks about the way in which a root, like a veruca, a, a root of bitterness, can get into us, thereby spoiling many, it says. If we allow this thing, it isn't just us that gets hurt by it, or the other person gets punished. Actually, a habit of nursing bitterness has the effect of spilling over and spoiling others. It just does it. Lack of forgiveness is aging. Put tears on you. It leads to countless physical, other physical ailments, potentially. University research is starting to show some very, very interesting things. 
It's showing, for instance, that holding grudges against people can lead to, can lead to every imaginable sickness, basically, from the common cold. They, they did a, I read recently about a, a research program, quite a widespread research program. So the statistics are not just, uh, you know, three people in the corner. The widespread thing. The group that held grudges were far more likely to get colds and sicknesses as simple and common as that. But it also extends right through to uh, chronic heart conditions and so on. And lack of forgiveness towards parents uh, can make it, as I said, easier to be bitter about all kinds of other things. Can I read you this from um, a, a book I came across recently? It tells the story of a woman that was injured in a road accident. And she was visited by someone from a local church like this. A woman who had been in a car accident 22 years before, and for all those years her neck had given her constant pain and she had to forfeit her driving license because she couldn't move her head in either direction. Not even being able to look into the rearview mirror. Margaret, that was the woman from the church, asked her if she'd ever prayed for the driver of the car who'd caused the accident. No, never. I suggested that she pray for him, Margaret said. And she began to pray, I forgive him, she said. And then the Margaret suggested, now, now bless him. Pray for his blessing. And the lady then prayed accordingly. And as she did so, the pain went. The next morning, the woman could move her neck for the first time in 22 years. That was over a year ago, and the healing has continued. There was a book I was glancing at in the bookstore um, just before the beginning of, of our service um, by a man called Lee Strobel. What's the title? I, read, I stood and read the first chapter. That's what I do. God something... Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's near the front, on the bookstall, sort of on the left-hand side, by Lee, good name, Strobel. And, and there, um, in that chapter, it, it talks about um, a man and, and a wife and their son was killed in a road accident, and how the wife became obsessed with wanting payback harm done to the person who had driven the other car. He shouldn't have been driving, there were all problems, and drunk and so on. And that refusal to forgive, in the end, brought their marriage almost to the point of destruction. The refusal to forgive is such a damaging thing, and we are, all of us, liable to do that, because forgiveness isn't natural. And I think we need to begin there as we think about our parents. And perhaps have help and talk stuff through with someone, and begin to release over to God those feelings. Maybe just let the Lord come and speak to you about all this. Secondly, we need to accept them. And as David said helpfully at the beginning, this doesn't mean pretending that our parents were perfect. God isn't asking you to do that. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's completely stupid to think that they are suddenly, through some mental gymnastics that you go through, raised to a level of perfection that was never there. No, but we are to honour them despite their failings and faults. Because both them and we are sinners. Where do my own children get their great tendency to sin from? Trisha? And me. Accept, accept them as they are. Accept them with affection. Accept them with a commitment to love them. You're not, probably not going to change them much now, but we need to honour them, and that involves accepting them. Just as they are. Sinners like you. Thirdly, 
we need to learn to affirm them. And that means communicate with them. By phone, from time to time, as often as is appropriate, or by letter, or cards from holiday, or visit. Sometimes we can be very distant, and we preserve our distance, and we get sort of stuck in a kind of teenagerism which can last for decades. We need to praise them, if we can, to find something uh, that we can appreciate. With some parents, it's easy and it's a delight. But we're acknowledging that within a congregation like this, for many, it may not be easy. But even some of the skills and talents that you've inherited, you may be grateful. And you can honour them for that. It's remarkable, you know, what even simple words thanks from a child to a parent can do. I know. Means a huge amount. We need, if possible, to involve them a bit in our lives. It's talking about what we're doing. It doesn't mean to say that we have to take every word of advice that they give. But at least we are honouring them if we take the opportunity from time to time to let them in on some of the stuff that's going on. Some of the challenges and the ideas and the questions and just get them out and so on. Consulting them a little bit is a very good way to honour them. Actually, I want to say an additional thing that honouring one's parent as a regular pattern of thinking and a desire to, to be real about and to be obedient yourself to the Lord about leads to self-respect. Self-respect. Because the one who despises his or her parents is then left with the question, why am I the way I am? Actually, dishonouring one's parents tends to corrode your own identity, which God, of course, knew when he commanded us to begin to face up to this one. So to honour a parent means to obey them when you're younger and to support and care for them when they are older and increasingly frail and to respect them throughout. And the final thing I want to, to say is that we, we ought to pray for them. I just wonder how many of our parents have almost nobody, maybe only you, maybe not even you, praying for them. There are millions of people in this country that had probably nobody personally praying for their good, their blessing. And we need to pray. We need to pray for their relationship. Perhaps the commonest thing I think I pray for, and my old uh, mother and father were both alive, is the relationship between them. We need to pray for that. I don't know how many other people are praying uh, for that about them. But as we bring our parents regularly before God, what happens is that our own heart then begins to be revealed. It's very healthy, because the things that we need to forgive, and the recognition that we need to offer, and the support that we need to uh, think out how to provide, the Lord by His Spirit starts to nudge you a bit, doesn't He, when you pray for them. We in this church want to be um, a grandparent welcoming, uh, parent appreciating, and child-nurturing fellowship as best we can. Same as every one of us. And yet, by God's grace, praying for each other 
in this parenting and God-honoring thing. Helping one another toward a wholeness. If this has been an area of damage and difficulty and perhaps a root so deep that you haven't thought about it for a long time, but when you do, it's still got the old baggage associated with it. We, we need to be saying the Lord has commanded us to do something here, which is for our good, our church's good, society's good, easy, no, not in some cases, but required of us for our own good and God's glory. And let's pray for one another, those of us that uh, have kids, growing up, that we are increasingly worthy of the honor which our own children are required and called by God to give us. You may want to um, ask questions and try and pray with someone, pray, whatever you want. Um, we we always make sure that, uh, that there's time and opportunity to mingle and mill about and think these things through further. But here's the command with the promise. Let's embrace God's promise because we want to obey his command and help one another inch by inch, step by step forward in glorifying God in this way. Father, Forgive us, please, for being impatient with our own children. Harsh sometimes in judgment. So undeserving of that which you've called of them. Help us, O oh God, to so set our minds and hearts upon your faithfulness, your encouragement, your stability, that we are king. And where this thing that we've been thinking of this morning is a source of almost a room locked off in our mind. Covered in dust and where we haven't gone for a long time. Lord, through your grace, through your word, perhaps with the help of a friend, help us to take up the key and go into that room and begin to clean it out by your help. Oh God, we pray that we may take this command along with all the others and not just cut it out and set it aside but face it with your help and grow in the knowledge and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ our Saviour and of you our Father God Amen Thank you for joining us today the Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.